This is episode 234 of the Lovamora for December 9th, 2017. Welcome back, listeners, to another Smash episode <laughs> of Alohomora. I'm Michael Harley. I'm Allison Sigurd, and our guest this week is one of our wonderful, fantastic, marvelous social media team members, Renee McBrien. Welcome, Renee. Hi. Tell us a little bit about yourself. How um, you got into Potter, wand, house, all that cool stuff. Okay, so... I am a Hufflepuff, and my wand is nine and three quarters inches ash. <laughs> no. And I don't remember the core right now. I think it's dragon heartstring. Um, and I got into Potter um, kind of as a thing to rebel. Um, my <laughs> I grew up in a really strict Christian household, and um, Harry Potter was one of the things that I was not allowed to partake in. And so I would sneak into the library during recess and read a chapter here and there. And um, when I was 11, my a family friend got the first three books for me for Christmas. And my mom is not the type of person to take a Christmas gift from a child. So <laughs> I, I got Harry Potter into my life. And I read the first three books before school got back and then checked out the fourth book. And I haven't looked back. I've been, I've been obsessed ever since. Your wand is really nine and three quarter inches. That's amazing. It is. I love it. That's incredible. <laughs> I really like that you did like gorilla style reading of Harry Potter where you <laughs> snuck into the library. That's yeah. awesome. No, I, w- I would have like the librarian keep a copy underneath the desk for me with like my bookmark in it and everything. <laughs> yeah. Like it was, it was like hardcore sneaky, but I, you know, I had to do what I had to do. What house did you say you were in, Renee? I'm a Hufflepuff. Ah, It's a whole Hufflepuff show. It is a Hufflepuff Yay. show. Yes, Allison can be Hufflepuff instead of Gryffindor today. <laughs> I'll bring out my Gryffindor side for my girl, though. Yes. When we get there. Okay. Yes. Well, yes. Te- speaking of, Allison. Yes, because this week we're talking about quite the Gryffindor. We are talking about Ginny Weasley this week. This was a topic submission on our topic submission page by Leia, who is Hufflepuff Skeen on our site. Uh, also submitted by Allie Marie and Genevieve Bond as well. So it seems like lots of you want to hear us talk about Ginny, and I'm excited because I love her, so I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, no, this should be exciting. We've been, I think this is a conversation we've like, this conversation has been like basically scattered through yeah. uh, every, every past episode of Alohomora where Ginny comes up. Um, so it, it'll be nice to pull it all into focus. Uh, but before we get into that, we want to make sure and let you listeners know that this episode is sponsored by HelloFresh. For your $30 off your first week of HelloFresh, visit HelloFresh.com and enter the code Alohomora30. We, this episode is also sponsored by Aisha Hawkins on Patreon. Yay! Yay! Thank you, Aisha. We really appreciate your sponsorship. And you listeners can become a sponsor for as little as $1 a month. We will continue to release exclusive tidbits and special things for our sponsors. We have recently opened up Dumbledore's Office, our new Facebook group, kind of uh, spinning off from our uh 
cohorts at Speak Beastie who have their own common room. Uh, we now have our own space for Alohomora fans to come hang out and chat with us uh, who sponsor us on Patreon. So thank you again, Aisha, for helping us out with this episode. Uh, and with that, we will go in to this episode. We're talking about Ginny Weasley. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> I don't... My favorite. So, before we get in deep into conversation about Ginny, let's uh, review a little bit of the information that we know about her. Uh, Ginny, full name, which I recall when it was revealed, nobody was expecting. Yeah. <laughs> her full name is Ginevra Molly Potter, uh, but nay, Weasley, uh, once upon a time. Uh, currently Potter. Now, the interesting thing in, in my research about uh, her name, because uh, a lot of people assumed that her name was short for uh, Genevieve, um, but it's not. It's Ginevra, and everybody was like, hmm, Ginevra? What the... <laughs> what is that? What kind of name is that? <laughs> <laughs> but we are we here on Alohomora are always uh, happy to help you out with uh, breaking down weird wizarding names. So I dug a little bit and found out from BehindTheName.com that actually Ginevra is the Italian form of Guinevere, which uh, for a lot of you just saying that name, you're probably like, oh. (laughs) Um, So, uh, and Guinevere uh, is uh, from the Norman French form of the Welsh name Gwenhefar. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that's how they say it in Welsh. Um, it's, it's beautiful. Rolls right off the tongue. It is derived <laughs> from the element, elements Gwen, which, side note, is my mother's name, which Aww. means fair and white. And my mother is fair and white. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Sebara, meaning phantom, or this, I thought this was especially perfect, magical being. Ooh. Hey. Uh, and as many of you, probably most of you know from the name Guinevere, in Arthurian legend, she was the beautiful wife of King Arthur. And according to 12th century chronicler Geoffrey of Monmouth, she was seduced Monmouth. by Sorry. Monmouth. Thank you. No, no, no. In fact, you read the rest, Allison, because I'm going to pronounce it wrong and you should, you're probably oh, going to no. pronounce everything right. No, no, no. No, you I fit. can't do the French right. Um, oh, you, I'm you, really you, bad you at French. Okay, so she was seduced by Mordred before the Battle of Camlan. I think, uh, which led to the deaths of both Mordred and Arthur. According to the 12th century French poet, a name I literally can't say because I cannot speak French. Chratine de Treze. If anybody wants to correct us, please do. <laughs> I can't speak French for the life of me. Anyway, she, according to that dude, <clears throat> you know, that guy, whoever he was, He's she dead. engaged in an adulterous affair with Sir Lancelot. Yeah, Lance that's the pretty. Okay, we're done. Sorry. Pretty popular uh, theme. There's a whole musical about it and everything. Yes. <laughs> but uh, yes, I thought I thought that was uh, kind of reading through this. Perhaps aside from the <laughs> adulterous affair with Lancelot, <laughs> which I'm I don't know if we can really we can work we can work on fitting that in. Oh, I've got um, but, an idea. I like oh. that it's kind of, I mean, if you twist it the other way, right? Jimmy's mm. a little bit of a heartbreaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Maybe. Michael yeah. Horner and Dean and... 
But her one true love is Harry. <laughs> That's true. But Harry, well, and to be fair, Harry does die. Like, yes. That's true. So. Yes. I also like that part of the the Welsh derivative means phantom because her like best spell is the bat bogey hex. Mm. I that's think that's funny. funny. Yeah. I love the the magical being thing. It's perfect. Yeah, that one's cool too. So, so yeah, so she yes, now you know listeners, Ginevra has a much better meaning than just what the heck is that name? <laughs> um I mean like did did JK Rowling like accidentally put an R where it shouldn't be? No, she didn't. It's supposed to be there. And it's cool because <laughs> aren't all the Weasleys, they're either named just after, like, English royalty or they're all Arthurian legend. Oh, I don't I remember now. Are they? Yeah. They're all somehow connected to either shoot now I don't remember what it was. If it's mm. just Arthurian legend or if it's, like, all, like, they're all somehow names of English royalty. Oh, that's really cool. Because you've got Arthur, William, Charles. I assume mm. Percy might be short for Percival. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Frederick, George. George, Ronald, and Ginevra. Oh. oh, so that's it. We got it. They're, they're all up to Cool things we learned. That's, that's so cool. I never noticed that. Oh my gosh, that's so clever. Um, Ginny was born on August 11th, 1981, which makes her currently 36 years old. Uh, that also makes her a Leo, which is fitting <laughs> when you think about it. Um, let's see. What else is special about Ginny? She, now this is interesting. Uh, her wand would, we don't know much about her wand. I didn't know this. Well, this was actually revealed thanks to your favorite play, Allison. Um, was Chris it? Child, yeah, this was revealed through Cursed Child because this was, uh, revealed when Rowling and the Cursed Child Twitter posted up that wand design <gasps> sketch. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. And so Ginny's wand is canonically, uh, of all things, you. I have cool um, ideas about this, though. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm eager to hear that because, especially because, when, you know, I think the automatic association with you, wands, is Voldemort. Mm-hmm. Um, in 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 the uh, wand lore, and uh, I pulled, and I, you know, we don't have to read the whole thing, but uh, uh, I pulled the you section from. Uh, Pottermore, where Ollivander kind of goes into what it means. And essentially, while he says that you is uh, kind of uh, associated with the power of life and death, it's you seems to have a lot of similarities to um, Phoenix cores in that it can kind of go both ways depending on who's holding it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can it can go dark, but it also can be like apparently a fierce protector. Um, but what, what were you thinking in terms of Ginny with that, Allison? Well, I like, I actually kind of like that it's the same wood as Voldemort. Um, because I think that draws interesting parallels to the fact that Ginny was possessed her first year and oh. her connections to Harry too, because we know that Voldemort and Harry are similar in a lot of ways and have that connection. And so to have two owners of Yuan's that we know about, one of them be Harry's greatest love and one of them be Harry's greatest enemy. 
fascinating to me. Cause they go that way, like it's going either way, right? And I also like the, the last line in the description that the Yuan never chooses either a mediocre or a timid owner, which is awesome. I think because I think especially at the beginning when we first meet Jenny, a lot of people thought she was super shy. And I mean, she kind of is, but mm-hmm. to know that she had that potential and that, um, she's definitely not mediocre. She's definitely mm-hmm. not, she grows into herself. And I think that's super awesome for her to have that wand then. Yeah. It's, it, it would be interesting to know kind of the rest of the details of her wand, but we have no uh, evidence of her core or her wand's length um, at this point. But yeah, definitely with the, the U that, that does bring up some interesting discussion, which hopefully we can maybe dig into a little deeper after we kind of go through her factoids. Uh, another, uh, piece about Ginny uh, that was not necessarily revealed via the books. Uh, I believe this one actually came from a suspect from the movies, and then it was confirmed by Rowling later. Um, mm-hmm. Ginny's, Ginny's Patronus is indeed a horse. We don't know what kind, especially now that we know from Pottermore that you can have a very specific horse. Um <laughs> But hers is a horse. And I thought uh, when reading, uh, I found uh, a summary of the symbolism of horses from purespirit.com. And uh, uh, this kind of lined up with a lot of other stuff I saw about horses as a symbol um, on in other, area, in other websites. But uh, they said the horse is a universal symbol of freedom without restraint because riding a horse made people feel they could free themselves from their own bindings. Also linked with riding horses, they are symbols of travel, movement, and desire. In mythology, the horse is ever-present. The Romans linked horses with Mars, the god of the fear, uh, the fury of war. Horses were also seen pulling the chariot of, chariot of Helios, the sun god. And in the Celtic mythology, horses were good luck and were harbingers of good fortune. So all that fits, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I could see it. Other things of horses in mythology, too, like Greek mythology, they were supposedly shaped by Poseidon from the sea, mm. which I think is cool. That's neat. I like that they're, they, they're associated with the sun god since her hair is red. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she's yeah. fiery like the sun. Yeah. Yes. It also makes me think of, like... In other old legends and just in medieval society, people rode horses when they went stag hunting. Mm. And Harry's Patronus (laughs) is a stag! (laughs) She wins. She wins the stag hunt. There she goes! (laughs) (laughs) She can keep up with it fast enough to keep up with it. (laughs) I really like um, where it says riding a horse made people feel they could free themselves from their own bindings because she is not only the only girl in a family of boys, but she's also the youngest. And Mm. so people are already going to have these preconceived opinions about her. And she goes on to do these amazing things and she's her own person. She's not Ron's little sister or Fred Mm -hmm. and George's little sister. She is her Mm -hmm. own wizard. She's her own person. And I think that that kind of is sort of fitting with that. Yeah. 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 That's it. It kind of goes along with how unique she becomes as a mm-hmm. character um, and how she, she does that. that uh, that's, and that's something we, uh, I think I've talked about a lot with the Weasleys and how 
you know, especially in relation to Ron's struggle in the Weasley family of kind of just trying constantly to basically live up to this, these expectations that are set by all of his siblings. Um, whereas all of his siblings don't seem to really have that problem. Mm-hmm. Um, because they have something that seems to automatically set them apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jenny's definitely that immediately in terms of being the only girl, like you said, but also, um, she doesn't really let that hang her up in her, in her role in the Weasley family. She never really seems to dwell on the fact that she's the youngest Weasley. Um, and she certainly didn't let that stop her when she got into the professional realm, when she left Hogwarts. Uh, Ginny went on to do quite a few things. She, uh, first off, when, when she left Hogwarts, she went into, uh, the professional Quidditch League. She became a Quidditch player and she was on the, um, Holyhead Harpies team, the only all-female Quidditch team. Um, and, uh, we don't know what position she played. It's very likely she played Chaser. Um, because that seemed to be what she excelled at uh, in school. She also did dabble as a seeker briefly for Harry. Um, so she might have gone into seeker uh, duties as well. I think she says she likes playing Chaser better, though, doesn't she? I think so, yeah. I mean, really, when you think about it, while the seeker gets all the glory, the Chasers are doing all the hard yeah. work. <laughs> Which and it's more it's more quick action, I think, and I think Ginny would like that more. It changes yeah. all the time, you know. Like you're not yeah. just trying to do one thing, mm-hmm. and I think she would like that. That's one of my favorite bits that includes Ginny actually in the movies is uh, her Quidditch playing. Um, the Quidditch mm-hmm. scene is fantastic in Half Blood Prince, and she's like shown to be particularly great at it. I also love when she runs. Who does she run into? Like at the end of a match, she like is it Cormac McLaggen or is it? Oh yeah, it's Zach- Zach- no, it's Zachary Smith. It's Zachary Smith. She slams she, like, into the commentary into box. Him. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh. she she expresses her feelings very openly, um, which she was also able to do uh, once she left the Holyhead Harpies because she went to work for the Daily Prophet in their sports department. She was initially uh, their senior. Quidditch correspondent, and we actually got to sample bits of her writing back in 2014 when she wrote uh, the events of the Quidditch World Cup. So that was really neat because we did literally get to read Jenny's yeah. writing. Some of it live um, <laughs> off of the Pottermore Insider, RIP Pottermore Insider, you Seriously, don't exist anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as we would later find out, thanks to Cursed Child, she became the sports editor at the Daily Prophet. And that's kind of where we left her at. Um, as far as we know, that's where she is at this current time. Um, <laughs> but we did have a question, actually, because I did put out the call um, on our Twitter and uh, Renee and our lovely social media team uh, also put out the call for, hey, guys, what should we talk about with Ginny? Um, and you guys very much responded in kind, uh, and we got our first, um, response actually from, uh, one of our MuggleNet staff members, Aurelia, uh, who has just recently joined Speak Beastie. Congratulations, Aurelia. Um, and, uh, she asked us on Twitter, if Ginny hadn't become a pro Quidditch player, what other career could she have pursued? What do you guys think Ginny might have done outside of what she ended up doing? That's a good question. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I feel like 
It would be something very active. Um, Maybe she would go back to Hogwarts and, like, become the Quidditch coach teacher. (laughs) Take over from Madam Hooch. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Oh, this goes into our AU where Harry becomes the DADA professor. (laughs) (laughs) Don't go back together. (laughs) Oh, I like that. That's cute. I do, too, actually. Maybe she'll decide that Quidditch is, like, just not for her or she's had enough with it. And she'll travel overseas and go play quad pot in the US. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can see her I can see her maybe like I don't know. It fits her so well. I, I like I can almost see her like writing books, maybe. Hmm. Like research well, going out and like researching things, like nonfiction stuff, you know? Yeah. Oh, um, that's interesting. Or maybe like lobbying of some kind for the ministry i'm actually surprised that um and in a way i can kind of see why but i'm uh, she could have been like i wouldn't i i don't see why jenny couldn't have become an auror oh Um, i don't see it though well i only see it because she's really talented at spell casting um Mm -hmm. and she seems to have a penchant for hexes (laughs) hexes <laughs> um so it, so it really even then you could you could say especially if she's got a if she's she, she's talented at uh you know more complicated curses and jinx and jinxes and hexes that might have been interesting if she had gone into say something like or similar to what bill does for gringotts with curse yeah. breaking like that that would have been kind of cool yeah maybe instead of an or she may have been more of like Magical law enforcement. Yeah, like not like not like Harry's position. In the yeah, like not yeah. specifically going after just like dark wizards, but like mm-hmm. taking care of all of the problems. <laughs> I just think about that with Ginny because she so we see in Deathly Hallows during the battle that she so aggressively wants to be a part of the action. Yeah. That I feel like whatever, like you said before, Allison, whatever she's doing, it would have to be something active. Yeah. Which is funny because then she goes into writing afterwards, which certainly suggests that kind of that that mentality that comes with age that eventually you just kind of get tired at some point. And you're like, I want to change. I think it makes sense for her, too, though. It's kind of like mm-hmm. analytical in some ways. Mm-hmm. And I oh, think yeah. I think that's a very Ginny thing. You know, she she's good at like figuring out situations, I think, from what we've seen mm-hmm. in the books. And mm-hmm. so to have her be able to be like especially writing a sports column, like mm-hmm. <laughs> to kind mm-hmm. of figure those kinds of things out and put it together and Yeah. 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 And she's definitely knowledgeable enough. Yeah. So Okay, so we can see that Ginny could either basically have gone like I think and I think that's evidenced by what she actually ended up doing that we that it makes sense that she would do something active for a while and then settle into something a little more low key um whatever it would end up being i mean it also makes sense too she did have three children and one of them's being an emo child about this yeah. point so <laughs> yes so yeah they're in the they're kind of in the throes of that right now and it seems um, james is a bit of a handful so just a little yes. bit yes so um yes so much so that she's taking them all off sugar. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> um, so, but before we get into all of that, we have what I wanted to do is actually go through because what I found from uh, your the, the listener responses uh, when asking about Jenny, a lot of you didn't necessarily 
present topics or even questions. You just told us what you thought about Jenny, which I thought was great because it ended up being more split than I was expecting. But I do think that in some ways this reflects, there's a little bit of a microcosm of how people feel about Ginny in the Potter fandom. And I think that's something that really, we could nitpick all of Ginny's like specific moments, but she doesn't have very many. (laughs) There's a reason I scream another and smash my cup all the time. And not just because it's a funny Thor reference, but also (laughs) because she's not in the books very much and in the movies even less. (laughs) Which now that you bring up Thor, now I'm like, I can see Ginny being kind of a Valkyrie character. I just saw the new Thor last night. And <laughs> I still I can need to see Ragnarok. totally picture that. Yeah. Oh my I, gosh, that walk she does on the Rainbow Bridge, like that's Ginny 110. <laughs> I love it. Love it. I, I really should have seen Ragnarok before this episode so that it's I okay. can have a full Thor. I just saw it yesterday. <laughs> but um But yeah, no, I wanted to go through these comments that you guys left because I think these are really important about informing kind of how our discussion of Ginny goes in this episode. So I'll go through some of the tweets that you left us. First one comes from Josh DeLioncourt or at Lioncourt on Twitter. Uh, Josh was actually, uh, he's a, uh, he is a friend of our, uh, one of our other hosts, Katie Carty Hiley, and uh, they podcast together, I believe. And he was just on a recent episode and he said, Ginny was one of my faves and she didn't get nearly the page time she deserved in the books. Follow that up with a comment from at Spencer Fannin, who said, Book Ginny is acceptable. Movie Ginny, really bad. (laughs) Worst line in the books. Quote, I know you wouldn't be happy unless you were hunting Voldemort. Maybe that's why I like you so much. Worst line in the books? What? What? We'll get back to that that line, because that is a pretty key line from Ginny. It's, It's one of the... Ones that somehow gets remembered from the book, even though it was completely left out of the movies. <laughs> um, another comment from at uh, Grace Stratton, or at G.E. Stratton. As a teen, I identified so much with young book Ginny, super shy and the only girl in a large family. In the later books, she acquired many qualities I wished I saw in myself at the time. Brave, outgoing, etc., Next comment from one of our loyal longtime listeners, Dis, or at DisKid90 on Twitter, who said, She's honestly not a character I think about often. Hate to say it, but I was never much of a Ginny fan. Uh, another comment from Linny, at Lin M. Farina on Twitter. Book Ginny is a badass and one of my favorite characters. <laughs> <laughs> and again, flipping the switch from another longtime listener, they've taken my Wheezy, or at Near Intelligent on Twitter. My thoughts are, Ginny is not that cool or interesting. I'd rather hear an episode on almost any other character. Like Dobby. Dobby is spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> and our last comment uh, from Khaleesi AF. You know what the AF stands for, y'all. Or <laughs> at, <laughs> at Nettie Spaghetti on Twitter, who said, Book Ginny is easily my favorite character. Strong, determined, funny, defensive, outgoing, accepting, caring, and loving. Without being overly emotional, I admire her so much. So, as you can see, we have pretty much a scale of Ginny falls on a wide scale for fans, <laughs> and it goes from, mm, she's not that great, I don't care about her, to, meh, she exists, to, 
oh my god, she's great, she's the best. And within that scale, that usually is book scale. Movie scale, <laughs> she fails on almost every count. Which isn't Bonnie Wright's fault. Like, it's so I tragic. Think... Now, you're, th- this is funny. We'll talk about, we'll talk about movie Ginny in a little bit. Because <laughs> okay. she's her, she's like, we could have a whole episode just on movie Ginny. Probably. Actually, specifically. <laughs> really could. Um, but, the funny thing is, uh, you know, with this, it, it, you know, why why do you guys think that Jenny does fall on this scale as a character? Because I don't, I can't really think of another character in Harry Potter that the fandom reacts to like this. She's kind of unique in this respect. What what do you think it is about her that makes fans feel this way? She's in a funny situation, I feel like. Um, she's the secondary character, like the second tier character that I think we see grow and progress the most out of all of them which is kind of strange for a secondary tier character if you know what i mean um Mm -hmm. i mean obviously they'll grow and progress but like we just see her she goes leaps and bounds but we don't see her whole journey so it's like we start out with her as this little girl who just like hero worships harry and just wants to look at him on the train and then we jump to like this little girl that's just Ron's baby sister who's been possessed by Voldemort. And then we kind of don't really see her for a little bit. And by the time we catch up to her again, she's like this kind of more mature, skilled, popular girl who's like found herself a little bit, I think. And that's when Harry starts noticing her. So that's when we get to see her more. (laughs) Um, and so it's weird because we see her progress so much, but we don't see the whole thing. Mm. And I think it leaves weird gaps that I think people don't like. What do you think, Renee? I, th- I think that's right. Because basically, like, we see Harry Potter from Harry Potter's perspective. And mm. as much as I hate the trope of the dude falling in love with his best friend's sister because she gets hot or whatever. Um, (laughs) It's, it's realistic in this situation because in the beginning she's just there. And then as she becomes her own awesome person, Harry's like, Hey, wait a second. You know, we, we don't see how she's becoming this awesome person by herself or, you know, with help from friends and whatever, but we see what Harry notices in her. And I think that people, they take that as, Oh, she's this doting fangirl. And she suddenly is hot and Harry Potter wants to date her. And that's not how the story is, if you pay attention to it. But then, mm. you know, the people take from what they see in the movies and they, they project that onto their opinion. So I think mm. that that's kind of like they don't really look at Book Jenny as just Book Jenny. They look at Book Jenny with a side of movie Jenny. Yeah. yeah. I think it I, – I, I think uh, – that you're both right, especially like the, the, I th- I do think movie Ginny is, you know, she is a, a problem for how people perceive Ginny in a lot of ways, but I, I do think it is uh, because these problems with Ginny kind of existed before movie Ginny really started going as downhill as she did, um, which happens in the later movies. Um, she's kind of just a, just like in the book, she just kind of exists for, you know, the first four movies or so. And it's um, part of the reason I hate Half-Blood Prince so much. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, but the but the thing is with the book, Allison's trying to goad me into a half blood prince debate. <laughs> I can hear it. <laughs> we can get can get to that later. But the the thing too is I I do think that it is a problem in the book. And you know what I was I was thinking about because the first thing the first major point of discussion I have here is are Ginny and Harry a good couple and is Ginny a good match for Harry and that's that tends to be one of the first things that's discussed about Ginny and I think what you guys were saying about how she has this development that's off screen and you know for she and Harry seems to become interested in her basically when she becomes hot or when she makes herself noticeable and I think one of the problems we have as a fandom with Ginny is for the main part, we, we think of her in relation to Harry mm-hmm. and some people have a hard time thinking her as her own individual character. She will almost all her a discussion of her will always turn back to her relationship with Harry um, in the end. And so she, in a way, what's frustrating then is that she, in some, in many ways, is defined by her, her existence for readers is defined by Harry. And I, I, like, for me, I think that's a lot of where my problems come with how she's written, because I don't want her to be defined just by Harry. (laughs) Um, And, but then, you know, there, here we go, that first question (laughs) (laughs) because and i i put this one first because i think this is the one that tends to come up a lot in discussion about jenny is is did did these two make a good pair is she because you know even more i feel like even more so these last few years the discussion has flared up again about uh harry and hermione yeah yeah i now that you say that because i've never thought about that but now that you say that, that may be a benefit of so much of her progression being off screen. Mm. In that we don't, it's not like she's there as a character all the time in relation to Harry necessarily. We know she kind of has her own life mm-hmm. before she and Harry end up getting together, which is kind of a benefit because then it's not just like, girlfriend character is there all the time solely just to become girlfriend it it gives it a more realistic flair i think if it's like she had her own life she was off doing her own stuff and eventually she and harry fell together you know um it's funny that something like that where she her existence off the page can be simultaneously beneficial and detrimental yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. like because i i do definitely see that point that beneficial point that oh she wasn't just set up to be perhaps the girlfriend from the get-go just because she was around all the time. And that's what people kind of get confused about with Hermione, which was always funny to me when I first read the series, because I never thought Harry and Hermione were going to get together. I always knew it was going to be Hermione and Ron. Um, I can see now, going back, why people thought it was going to be Harry and Hermione. Um, And I can even see why that might have been a good pair but uh, Rowling had something to say about this um, because apparently she was also <laughs> shocked that people were debating about this too. Um, she actually spoke about this in 2005. So after Half-Blood Prince was published, but before uh, Deathly Hallows, 
came out, and she revealed this in uh, her interview with The Leaky Cauldron and MuggleNet um, in 2005. She said, The plan was, which I really hope I fulfilled, that the reader, like Harry, would gradually discover Ginny as pretty much the ideal girl for Harry. She's tough, not in an unpleasant way, but she's gutsy. He needs to be with someone who can stand the demands of being with Harry Potter, because he's a scary boyfriend in a lot of ways. (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't have a problem, but (laughs) I I get what she's saying. He's, He's a marked man. I think she's funny, and I think that she's very warm and compassionate. These are all things that Harry requires in his ideal woman. But I felt, and I'm talking years ago, when all this was planned... Initially, she's terrified by his image. I mean, he's a bit of a rock god to her when she sees him first at 10 or 11, and he's this famous boy. So Ginny had to go through a journey as well. And rather like with Ron, I didn't want Ginny to be the first girl that Harry ever kissed. That's something I meant to say, and it's kind of tied in. I feel that Ginny and Harry in Half-Blood Prince... They are total equals. They are worthy of each other. They've both gone through a big emotional journey, and they've really got over a lot of delusions, to use your word, together. So I enjoyed writing that. I really like Ginny as a character. This is totally off topic, but that sentence that says, and rather like with Ron, I didn't want Ginny to be the first girl that Harry ever met. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it's... Ron and Harry were going to kiss. I mean, also... <laughs> Yeah, wouldn't have a problem with that, but no, that's not ha- that's not what happened. Might as well have, but it wasn't. Um, Just unintentional wait. wording. Anyway, oh yeah, no, absolutely. That's what I when I read that the first time, I was like, uh oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, as we see here, Rowling did plan this from the start and did seem to have Ginny's character arc in mind at an early stage in the writing. I like that she talks about. The thing Ginny's terrified about is being, like, seen with this super famous person. And that it's almost like she had to become confident enough in herself and, like, in Harry as a person, too, before she could, before they could be equal. I can see that. Well, and it's funny, too, because uh, along with what we've talked about, about how Ginny is defined in many ways in the writing by Harry and uh, how she develops... It, what Rowling, I, 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 what Rowling is saying too is that she kind of planned these developments, and I, I, I do feel though that we get all of those like n- little moments about Ginny from other characters. That's the other thing too. She's in a lot of ways the gaps about her are filled in by other characters and not mm-hmm. by her. Um, Ron kind of Ron says in Chamber of Secrets something that like she she usually never stops talking and is kind of a motor mouth. Mm-hmm. But then when Harry shows up, she totally changes. And so you get you get these senses that really Ginny was kind of always the way that we see her in Order of the Phoenix, but that she was too insecure around Harry to be that way until fifth year. Um, so, again, there's still a little bit of that issue of being defined by Harry. Um, yeah. And uh, we had a comment from... On, on Twitter from at Insincere Dave or David, one of our uh, frequent guests, the, the British guy who I hit on, if you <laughs> um, <laughs> David said, a lot of Ginny and Harry's interactions take place off screen. Summer's at the burrow and Harry stays for six weeks, etc. Always thought that was a shame. They're perfect for each other, but you need to dig down a bit to realize it. What would it have been good of 
to, good to see more of. So kind of like what we were saying, a lot of the things with Ginny happen off screen. So basically the seeming obvious fix is put it on the page. So what do we put on the page that we didn't see or that we would have liked to have seen? What's missing? See, I think that by adding too much of a, a romantic relationship would take away from the story. And I think we've discussed it on the show before where it's not a love story. It's not a young adult fluffy story. And I think adding too much of the relationship would take away from what really matters. Mm. Yeah. But I think it would be fun to have like an outtake. <laughs> yes. Like here are just these outtaken chapters. And I think from Ginny, I would want to see more of her friendship with Hermione because mm. I really do think they are really good friends. And mm -hmm. I'd like to see a little bit more of that, obviously. Mm -hmm. And because I'm a sap, um, <laughs> in Half-Blood Prince, Harry talks about that, like, week or month where they're together and they just, like, spend time on the grounds and, like, having a great time. And because I'm a sap, I kind of want it. <laughs> <laughs> I've... I I think that's one of the big sections that a lot of readers feel they're missing um, because it's kind of so shoddily summarized. Yeah. Um, and I remember our talk back at the end of Half-Blood Prince was that, uh, well, and I even uh, we talked about this, I think, in Half-Blood Prince and at the end of Deathly Hells, but I think the major conversation was in Half-Blood that it basically ends with the narration being like, they had a week of wild making out. And, <laughs> and like that's basically the summary of their yeah. relationship. And then yep. we, like, by the end of the book, we jump. And it's like, then they had three children. <laughs> I actually, honestly, too, that's another thing I'd like to see. I'd like to see Ginny and Harry's relationship right after the books. Mm -hmm. Like, how did they rebuild that? How did they help rebuild each other? Because I think... It's one of my favorite things about Cursed Child is Harry and Ginny's relationship is wonderfully portrayed, especially on the stage. Um, I talked about this in a review or something I did once where just the way Jamie Parker and Poppy Miller, like their body language with each other, they're always kind of like leaning into each other, especially in the moments where Harry's in crisis. He's mm -hmm. kind of like leaning into her all the time. And I just, I loved that physical representation of how much they trust each other and rely on each other. And like, because to some extent, and Ginny says this in Order of the Phoenix, Ginny's one of the only people who knows what Harry's going through with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, She's the closest person to understand what that means. And so I would love to see him tell her the whole story. Or, did, yeah, him tell her the whole story. Sorry, I think I flipped, I think I flipped that somehow. Um, <laughs> and to see them like, have to work through that to come up, to come up with a good relationship and a good, what eventually leads to a strong marriage. Um, mm -hmm. since they've both been through such traumatizing things and we don't get that in Deathly Hallows. We just get Harry sees her, but she's talking with Molly and they just lost Fred. And so he decides to give her some time. Yep. Yeah. She doesn't really get a last moment with Harry before the epilogue. Um, yeah. The last kind of substantial moment we where Harry well doesn't really interact with her other than the one that you mentioned Allison is where he sees her comforting the other 
the younger student. She is the last the thing he thinks about, too, before the killing curse hits him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In the forest. Yeah, specifically yeah. about her kiss, because they had that wild week of making out. <laughs> 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 well, and oh. that goes back, The this question about their relationship goes back to uh, that line that uh, Spencer Fannin mentioned that Ginny says at the end of book six, before when she, when they have that weird Ross, Rachel, they didn't break up, <laughs> but they're on a break kind of thing where Ginny says the, I know you wouldn't be happy unless you were hunting Voldemort. Maybe that's why I like you so much. And yeah, the funny thing for me is, and I joked about, well, I actually meant this seriously on when we talked about this on that chapter of half blood prince. Um, and everybody was like, no, 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 don't be silly. But honestly, the first time I read it, Genuinely, my mind linked this up to the ending of Spider-Man 2. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like it's so easy to do because not because it's just like the visual similarities of literally it's just like a a geek with glasses is in a relationship with a gorgeous redhead. But also (laughs) because what Ginny is saying is essentially very similar to what Mary Jane says to Peter, which is basically like, yeah, like I know this is, I know you're in terrible danger, but also this is kind of who you are. And I would never stop you from being who you are essentially. And you know, it's, it's not go get him. Tiger is not the greatest line in the world, but it's essentially (laughs) the same thing in many ways. It's, it's both, both women basically in that relationship relenting to the fact that they, don't want to change like, well, not even relenting, but accepting that their partners are who they are um, and letting them go save the world, essentially. Um, The difference being that Mary Jane doesn't break up with Peter in that movie. Um, Whereas Ginny's that what she's doing is kind of hard to say because every character has trouble interpreting what it all meant by the beginning of Deathly Hallows. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but what do you guys think? I actually quite like that line because I think it's, that is something Ginny would like. Like I said before, Ginny is a very active, action-packed person. And she likes this guy who... He's so noble and wants to take action in things and actually do the right thing. And I think it's one of the things that made her actually like fall in love with him as opposed to just, oh my gosh, celebrity crush, you know? Um, I think she saw that and she was like, he's going to do the right thing no matter what it takes and he's just going to go do it. And I think, yeah. And I like, yeah, like you said, that she is accepting him for who he is, and she's okay with that. Yeah, I feel like this is a very Ginny line. Um, I think either right before or right after that, she says um, something like, it's for some stupid noble reason, isn't it? Or something. (laughs) She's Mm -hmm. she's the only one that doesn't tiptoe around Harry. She just tells him exactly what she's thinking because she's been there and she knows that he's not going to take offense to what she says. 
whereas, you know, Ron and Hermione and everybody else, they kind of skirt around what they're trying to say. And she's just like, no, like, I know what you're doing is stupid, but I know what you're doing is honorable. So well, just do what you have to do. Like, I, I really feel like that is a very Ginny thing, but I know people don't like it because it seems cliche, <laughs> I guess. Well, it goes along, I think, with what Rowling, we read that Rowling said, that to be in a relationship with a guy like Harry Potter, you've kind of got to be able to, you know, withstand what he's going to go through. Um, like, you, something about that, in a way, almost has to, in some kind of sort of weird, twisted, sick way, has to appeal to you <laughs> um, to to make it work. And like that's like that's that's how it works is that she can accept that he does these it's a, it to me it also fits along with a lot of the discussion that happens between Harry and Dumbledore between Order and Half-Blood about kind of at people's actions and what they will like prophecy versus you know personal choice and how people will behave Ginny seems to already be as understanding of, of Harry as Dumbledore is that she's like, you, you know, like you have the choice to do it and you, but you don't, you don't have to, but I know you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so in that way, yeah, I just compared Ginny to Dumbledore. Yes. She's that wise, <laughs> which also le- leads interestingly though, this, this moment le- does lead into like, I, I just kind of alluded to that moment in Deathly Hallows where her and Harry have a dis- discussion at the borough when they finally get a moment alone. And, uh, but once they do it, <laughs> that was a very interesting moment to me because uh, everybody starts pinning the blame on who should be at fault for the, how, what, what's going on with their relationship. Are you talking about his birthday? You're talking about his birthday, right? Yeah. When, okay, beginning. good. Just so I know yeah. exactly Ron, what we're talking about. When Ron barges in and, like, catches them kissing. I think it's the most, one of the most gutsy things Ginny ever does. Mm-hmm. Takes her known boyfriend, who the whole family knows, into her bedroom on his birthday. And, like, everything she says in that scene, I'm like, dang, girl, <laughs> go. Like... It's remind me, remind me of some of the things she does say. Well, just like she pulls him in there. And I think the one I'm thinking about especially is she says, I want to give you something to remember me by in case you meet any Vila out there. And then she mm. just starts like making out <laughs> with him. And it's like, dang, like, she's well, just going to go for it. It's funny, too, because in that same what happens afterwards is that Ron barges in and then pulls Harry aside and is basically like, stop messing with my sister. If you can stop messing with her heart. And Harry's just like, I, I didn't do it. She did it. But he can't say that because and then Harry actually kind of turns it on himself and is just like, oh, yeah, this is my fault. And I'm like, dude, no, it's not. You didn't do anything <laughs> like. But yeah, it's it, and that leads into a fascinating kind of pull push and pull that Ginny and Harry have throughout Deathly Hallows and the moments they get to be together. Um, because pretty much the culmination of that when they interact at the battle is Ginny being like, I'm going to fight. And Harry's like, no, you're not. She's like, yeah, I am. He's like, no, you're not. And then she just pushes past and goes, yes, I am. And then she leaves. <laughs> um, and, and it's, and, and Harry spends basically the whole time just being like, 
God, I'm so stupid. Why couldn't I? Why, why couldn't I block the door better? And, <laughs> like, why, why am I so bad at this? But and, then he sees her fighting. And he's like, "Yeah, she's good." And then he like moves on. Well, yeah, he like has to relent that yeah, she is actually good at that because she 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 goes up against Bellatrix Lestrange. Like she's not, you know, just doing. This. Oh, I love that moment. Yeah, she's literally going up against a very her very and Hermione witch. and Luna all together, and mm-hmm. oh man, yeah, yeah, <laughs> man, it's awesome, it's so good. So, and it's it's I don't know, I just think there's some fascinating push and pull with Harry and Ginny as a couple in that in that year that's still showing that they're, and maybe that also reveals another reasons why this relationship ends up being falling a little flat for readers is because at 17, 16 and 17, this is a relationship that is still so much in a developmental phase. Yeah. And then it jumps to basically comfortable home life um, in the span of a few pages. Yeah. And we don't really see what that in between was to turn this kind of back and forth, slightly tumultuous relationship into something so comfortable. I think that's what I would say is one of the the failings, but like, and like you said, Allison, wouldn't it have been nice to see the recovery period? I think some of that push and pull is why Harry likes her. Actually. She very much, especially later, she is all, she's teasing him. She kind of like, she's this bright flash all the time and Harry doesn't quite know how to deal with it in the books, which I think is funny. Um, he's always just like, um, uh, yeah. And she's like, <laughs> she just has him kind of twisted around her finger and it's kind of awesome. <laughs> Cause not very many people I think can do that to Harry because Harry has so many like trust issues, mm-hmm. but Ginny just kind of pulls him in and he's just okay with it. <laughs> Well, let's let's talk a little bit since we've mentioned this a lot, and we'll jump down a little here in our discussion document. But let's talk a little bit about Ginny. As we've mentioned, she has developed so much off the page, off screen, and we had a lot of questions that kind of tie into that. And maybe some some of our listeners kind of put forth ideas about maybe where where her character developments happened. A major point is in Chamber of Secrets. Uh, And uh, one of our commenters uh, on Twitter, at Pensive Page, said, how does her experience with Tom Riddle make her into the person she becomes? We had a similar question from Ginny's Atonic, or at Ginny L, who said, how did her possession through the diary affect her? Apart from the evilness, did it make her a better witch? Clever. Hmm. What do you guys think? I actually think it goes more into this tough sense of self she develops. Um, because she ends up being able to struggle with it for a whole year by herself. I think there's almost this thing of she's like, I took on Voldemort for a year, basically, in my head. And I can do that. And in some ways, she almost beat him. Uh, she threw the diary away. Mm-hmm. And... I think that that probably, I mean, yeah, it was traumatic and that probably like conflicts with some of this, but I think it helped build her confidence a little bit of I am tough enough and I'm strong enough that I can get through some of these things and I can be fine. Yep. She's like, I was 11 and I took on Voldemort for a whole year, basically by myself. 
Come yep. at me, Harry Potter. You went with him once when you were 11. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't even real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's one of those, like, I I survived this, what can't I do things. Um, yeah. Not saying that she thinks she's invincible because she's obviously not stupid. She doesn't, she's not reckless. Like, it seems like everything that she does is calculated, maybe, but not so not like Hermione calculated. Like she's a she's a good mid ground between Harry recklessness and Hermione calculated. So she's a good strategist. Yeah, that's thank you. That is what I was looking for. <laughs> that's an interesting connection to Ron then. Oh, with his chess playing. Yeah, the I wonder how much that of never that really she, ended up being well, a thing. Yeah. But I wonder how much <laughs> of that she kind of got from him, like learned from him, and that's huh. really interesting. Kind of. That piece in that, uh, what you said, Renee, about how she's not necessarily, she's pretty, she's pretty clever and not terribly reckless because I think that's a, I think that's a big piece about how Harry learns to understand her better in Deathly Hallows because he does think she's reckless Mm -hmm. in Deathly Hallows. And that's kind of part of the frustration I have with reading about his relationship with her is most of the time he just kind of, treats her like it's funny to it's it's almost kind of i guess ironic to see harry treating Ginny like a child when <laughs> and like he's basically harry's basically just like i had this epiphany about being an adult and not running into situations about 12 hours ago and now Ginny's not doing that and like i'm just so I'm, she's a child she's so immature <laughs> i'm just like no harry she's she's pretty on it you just got to get out of her way. Yeah. Which is funny because I think the moment he really starts paying attention to her is the moment where she's like, dude, grow up, you know, where because it's in Order of the Phoenix where he's like going off about freaking out about being possessed. And she's like, who do you know who's actually been possessed, Harry? And he's like, oh, yeah. And she's like, lucky you for forgetting. Right. Um, that's one of my favorite lines is he's like, oh, sorry, I forgot. And she's like, lucky you. Because I can just hear it super dry. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I think that's kind of the moment he starts paying attention to her. And and I guess that's what's like funny about, yeah. like I said, with, his, with how Rowling, in a way, has to write Harry's relationship with Ginny. Because he can't, when you think about it, he can't just automatically relent and be like, all right, Ginny, go into the throes of evil that's fine because then he wouldn't be a very good boyfriend um (laughs) but at the same time it is simultaneously i guess like i was saying frustrating to read harry kind of stopping Ginny from like uh, treating her like the adults are around her or treating her because he's been treated that way and he finds that incredibly frustrating. And so for him to turn around and basically do it to Ginny, I think is what kind of frustrates me about his interaction, his little interaction with her in Hallows. Um, it makes sense because he's a protective boyfriend. It's frustrating because it's a fantasy and she has a wand and she's capable. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what bothers me. But I mean, I guess I wouldn't be so ha- unhappy if... I was Harry Potter's, you know, love interest, and he cared that much <laughs> about me. That would be nice. Um, 
This episode isn't about me being single. I promise. Um, <laughs> I'm not envious of this relationship. Shut up. Um, <laughs> I think you need a hug. <laughs> I do. I need a hairy hug. We'll um, send Dan your way. It's fine. <laughs> but uh, we also we also did have another comment from uh, uh, Abby um, at Abby Jane Twelve. Uh, who brought up what you mentioned, Allison, about one of those missing moments from the page where she said, rereading Half-Blood Prince, and I realized that Jenny's uh, relationship and friendship with Hermione is really interesting. Yes. And I think that's definitely a thing, too, because <laughs> Hermione is used, essentially, in that respect, she's used to develop Ginny because Harry doesn't really talk to any other girls extensively in his life. <laughs> not because he's necessarily bad with girls he's not great with them but he's not bad with girls but it's yeah i'll it, say he's bad i'll he's throw bad. it out there he's pretty bad <laughs> yeah just a little bit yeah <laughs> but with that said hermione is it uh, has a unique relationship with harry and is therefore able to divulge information about jenny to harry um so she does end up kind of sh- revealing that her and jenny have this friendship how do we think that's and it's interesting too because i kind of how do we think that came about and where do we think Ginny and hermione find common ground i think that um when in um goblet of fire when um hermione went to go stay with them before the quidditch world cup i think that that's probably when their friendship started maybe or grew um you know she stayed with she stayed at the borough and then she shared a tent with Ginny. And I think that that was one of the things that sort of solidified their friendship because they were spending so much time together. Yeah. I think some of it could have started in Prisoner maybe too when Harry and Ron aren't speaking to Hermione. Um, We kind of know from that that actually she spends, and at least on the page, she ends up... The, the the purveyor of knowledge on that one goes to Hagrid. Yeah, and I, I know she spends a lot of time with Hagrid, but I feel like Ginny coming off a year where she felt really ostracized and alone might have picked up on Hermione feeling like that, especially since Ginny was probably like, Ron, you're being an idiot. <laughs> um, <laughs> and she probably had heard most of what had happened, and she was probably like, Ron, you're being an idiot. Um, and so I, I feel like that may be where it started. I think you're right, Renee, though. I think it really intensifies um, in Goblet. And of course, we do have that. Like, again, not to define these two by their relationships, but Ginny is, Ginny, Ginny is attracted to Harry and Hermione is attracted to Ron. So True. <laughs> that does probably help. Now yes. I want them having sleepovers at the borough, <laughs> just like trying to find out as much as they can. <laughs> like, okay, tell me what to do here. <laughs> Give me the in. Yeah. Yeah. We can, well, the, I think the big takeaway we get from kind of the reward of this relationship in terms of how these two as develop is that Ginny and Hermione actually end up encur- encouraging each other especially Hermione to Ginny to not get hung up on these boys for a little yeah. bit and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that unfortunately for Hermione, that backfires a little bit. But um, <laughs> but in but in Ginny's case, it it ends up being pretty rewarding. Not not just solely because that yes, in the end she gets Harry, but because she ends up being able to be herself. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's and that's I I would say the even better reward because by being herself. Harry realizes why she he would find her attractive. Um, trying to struggling to be you know struggling to impress him or to get his attention did all the wrong things because lest we forget she sent him a singing Valentine. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that it is my head canon that in their further relationship he brings that up all the <laughs> time. Just yes. to make fun of her. Every single Just to tease her about it. <laughs> He's like, so am I getting their eyes? His eyes are as green as a fresh pickled toad today. <laughs> That's, well, he's got to have something to counteract the the hippogriff tattoo. Oh, gosh. Um, yes. So <laughs> it's, I would say it's that. Does Now, remind me, because I couldn't, I, I didn't get a chance to check exactly on this. Doesn't she send him a singing Christmas card? Um, in either Prisoner or God... I think it's Prisoner. I want to say she sends him a card that just sings really loudly and he stuffs it under his pillow. Is I it think in that, Prisoner? I think it might be in Prisoner when he falls off his broom. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, after that whole mystery, yes, I found it. Yay! So on page 183, the uh, chapter 10, the Marauder's Map, right after the Grim Defeat chapter. Harry had a stream of visitors all intent on cheering him up. Hagrid sent him a bunch of earwiggy flowers that looked like yellow cabbages. And Ginny Weasley, blushing furiously, turned up with a get-well card she had made herself, which sang shrilly unless Harry kept it shut under his bowl of fruit. (laughs) (laughs) I love her. I love her attempts to cheer him up and show her awkward teenage love. like that she gave him something that sang annoyingly twice. Yes. Yes. Two years in a row, too. I I think that's perfect. Though that matchup that you said, Renee, with Goblet, that these two very adorably poor attempts to get Harry's attention, <laughs> mis- terribly misguided attempts to get Harry's attention, were this stopped after Goblet of Fire. She doesn't do this anymore. <laughs> Where do you think she got the idea in the first place? I bet it was from Molly listening to Celestina Warbeck. Oh my gosh, probably. <laughs> I bet that's where she got the idea of that's how you profess your love to someone. I mean, really, when you think about it, right? It's like, you know, John Cusack holding a radio above his head outside your window. <laughs> it's it's that thing. It's that horrible, silly thing that teenagers think is going to get your attention, right? Let me send you a playlist of all the songs. <laughs> Explain what yeah. I'm making <laughs> mixtapes. Yeah, I you're was right, going to say right, Ginny showing you're... up and being like, I made you a mixtape. <laughs> <laughs> the wizard equivalent of making a mixtape. It's like, I it's, like still, it. it's still the 90s. There were still tapes then. Oh, it's That's totally true. happening. <laughs> Accepting. Yes. Ganon. Taking it. <laughs> That's this episode's title Ginny's Mixtape. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, I think that totally lines up then with what you were saying, Renee, that. By Goblet of Fire, and that perhaps that that time that she gets to spend with Hermione, and while we don't we don't hear that that 
is their their discussions with each other are fully developed in terms of what they decide to do in their approaches with Ron and Harry. Um, we notably, Ginny isn't sending Harry a singing card um, <laughs> about defeating a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and she does by that point uh, also recognize that you know I think we. We do hear for later on that she was kind of, it was suggested by Hermione that she just go to the ball and have fun if somebody asked her rather than wait for Harry or even try to ask Harry, Mm -hmm. Um, which ends up again, backfiring on her. (laughs) Because Harry asks her. Yes. (laughs) Which is great. It's a great, that's one of those fun moments to go back and find um, when she does say that where, where, because isn't it Ron just like being like, I'll go with Hermione and Ginny. You go with Harry. Yeah. Uh, no, he says he's like it's more embarrassing if Harry doesn't show up and Ginny with a partner and Ginny's there and he's like, so Ginny, you go with Harry. And she's like, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. it was like the day before he, Neville asked her or something, wasn't it? And yeah. she's like, dang it. <laughs> yeah. The the narration kind of like notably says that she kind of slumps off to bed. Afterwards, because yeah. she's disappointed. It doesn't say why she's upset. It just says she's not too happy. But I love that she keeps her commitment to Neville anyway. Like that's so nice. Yeah, yeah what a so sport, nice right? No, that's a that's a wonderful thing to do. And she's... I like that they become friends mm-hmm. in Hallows. Oh, her and Neville. Yeah, yeah. Like they become close friends. All of them running the DA together. Yeah, everybody. she's kind of considered to be like the second in command. Yeah. Of the DA by that time. Um, we even, you know, the neat thing to remember too about that is that she actually, she, um, she named, she named the DA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Um, see, she's awesome and she's like there in the background, but yeah. she's like that secondary character that's there for all the important things, but not for the little <laughs> things. So we don't get enough of it. Yeah. Her. Until Harry starts being like, oh, hey. Yep. <laughs> you. <laughs> you exist. No, I think we've certainly, like, like explored why maybe she ends up being that secondary character and why it, like, why it, ha- it kind of has to be the way it is for her to work within the plot and in Harry's story. Like, I think we've broken that down yeah. pretty well. It's still frustrating, though. But we'll get to that. But before we do, listeners, we're going to take a pause here for just a minute. As we mentioned at the top of the show, this episode is sponsored by HelloFresh. And listeners, if you've never uh, experienced HelloFresh, neat thing about it is that much like uh, an owl delivering straight to you, to your door, HelloFresh delivers food right to your door. I actually had this happen. I got this giant box of food at my door which was awesome because actually i think the day we got it i was really not in the mood to have any fast food which is my normal go-to i just had fast food before this episode um (laughs) i wish i'd had something fresh to eat um because i i prefer actually making home-cooked meals um because i'm the only one out of my roommates who actually likes to cook um and I actually have HelloFresh to thank for that because the neat thing is when you open up the box, not only do they have all the ingredients you need, but they give you a recipe card uh, with all of the things to do. Like, it's, and they try to, they actually whittle down all of the recipes to like six steps, 
which is really nice um, because it just makes it feel a lot less overwhelming than to say if you were looking it up online or using a cookbook. Um, nobody uses cookbooks anymore, guys. Um, I do. <laughs> Allison, goodness gracious, no more cookbooks for you. <laughs> um, but uh, the neat thing about it was they sent me recipes for. I had the. I had this chicken with like this really delicious sauce and asparagus on the side. My favorite though was the uh, pork chops with uh, they do uh, the the recipe I got had like a, a a glaze made out of honey, balsamic vinegar, and uh, adobo sauce. So it's kind of like this this mm-hmm. sweet sauce with a kick. Yeah, it was really good. Um, so it's a really easy way to make a meal, especially if you can't make it to the grocery store uh, if you're, you know, a 40-hour-plus-a-week employee like Mr. Librarian over here. Um, <laughs> it's not always, the, it's not always the, the thing that you look forward to when you leave the library to be like, okay, I gotta go buy food now and be jostled around by hundreds <laughs> of other people in the grocery store. Nope, you can just get a box from HelloFresh and it comes straight to your door. And listeners, you can have that same experience uh, thanks to our sponsor, HelloFresh. Uh, f- you can get $30 off your first week of HelloFresh by visiting HelloFresh.com and entering the code ALOHAMORA30. It's just as easy as that. I'm sure Ginny would probably appreciate this, especially now that her family is sugar-free. <laughs> <laughs> Though she does say Harry does most of the cooking. But maybe she's grateful oh, he's not dragging her to the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, you know, for all the magic they have to do, wizards still have to go get their food. Because... Gamp's Gamp, Law. Gamp's Law, exactly. <laughs> Gamp's Law <laughs> says, you gotta get your food. So HelloFresh would be a great way to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, now that we've had our fill of HelloFresh, we are, we are quite full now. We can continue on with the discussion, which leads into one of the bigger questions with Ginny that I think, you know, we've kind of broken apart a little bit here, but it's that, is Ginny well-written? What are the strengths and flaws of how Rowling writes her? And Rowling had a little bit of input on this as far as how Ginny kind of played into the story. Again, this was from the Leaky Cauldron and MuggleNet interview from 2005, where she said, The backstory with Ginny was she was the first girl to arrive in the Weasley family in generations. But there's that old tradition of the seventh daughter of a seventh daughter and a seventh son of a seventh son. So that's why she's the seventh, because she is a gifted witch. I think you get hints of that because she does some pretty impressive stuff here and there. And you'll see that again. And by that, she was implying what we would see of Ginny in Deathly Hallows. Um, So... What do you guys think in terms of Rowling? Because this is an interesting quote in that it came from Rowling before the series was finished. Um, Do we think, one, that Ginny does live up to this idea that Rowling wanted her to be? And kind of how this idea of the seventh daughter of the seventh daughter, which, you know, we love the the number seven. (laughs) The sevens. Seven. Seven again. What do you guys think about what Rowling said here about Ginny? Does Ginny does Ginny live up to that, and does Rowling uh, provide that in the writing of Ginny? 
Yes. Too, I was going to say, too, too big a question? Too big? <laughs> Don't talk about I'm, just, I'm, I'm trying to think of exactly how I want to answer this. Um, I think so. Um, because she is powerful. Mm. She She's a powerful witch. I mean, she stands up on her own. And I mean, we've talked about how she's able to take on possession by Tom Riddle. She is able to kind of go toe-to-toe with Harry when everybody else is tiptoeing around him. Um, and we also get, we all, I mean, we kind of just get the fact that she's special because, not to compare her to Ron, but part of Ron's insecurity is that Molly wanted a daughter. Mm-hmm. And Ron is the son that came before that daughter. And so he's always felt a little overshadowed, I think. Um, by Ginny is like this very precious child, especially to Molly, I think. And yeah, she's kind of this, not like miracle baby, but I always get the feeling she was almost like a miracle baby, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that she definitely does go on to show her strengths, but we might not necessarily see all of them, you know, off screen Ginny. Um, because even though she has the option of staying behind and staying at the borough and being safe with her family, she goes back to Hogwarts and she runs the DA with Neville and she is making sure that other people are safe while putting herself in danger. And, you know, that's for what she's 16. That's, that's a big thing for a 16 year old girl. Mm -hmm. I think that she has just this immense strength that, um, you want to see in your main girl character and as a secondary character, it's really interesting that she has all of these qualities that shine so brightly, but we don't really see them as often. Yeah. I think I was actually just thinking about how we were saying that in many ways, like because of her secondary nature, in a way that's, that's, that's also a part of why Ginny can't help but be defined by Harry being the main character. So in some ways it's not her fault. It's just how the story plays out. But in that way, I wonder sometimes when I think about it too, if it's not necessarily that, <laughs> that Rowling fails Jenny so much as that <laughs> Harry fails. <laughs> because Harry doesn't really, Harry kind of, I was thinking to like their first substantial interaction, um, which is, kind of the stuff in Chamber of Secrets. And to be fair, Harry does try to be nice to her when he sees her at the burrow and she just freaks out and runs away. <laughs> um, but when they're in the chamber and of course, like once he wakes her up after it's all over and she's just an inconsolable wreck, <laughs> Harry doesn't really know what to do. He's just, and granted he's 12, but at the same time, there is no natural instinct for Harry that kicks in. <laughs> nope. He's, He's basically just like, uh, yeah. Like, Ron! (laughs) (laughs) Help! (laughs) Take your sister away from me. She's crying, she's crying. I don't know how to make her stop crying. (laughs) Yeah, like, (laughs) like, that's, and that is kind of like Harry's general, and and not even, again, even through the fault of Harry, uh, but, my one of my favorite classic throwaway humor moments is in Prisoner of Azkaban, 
when they're getting on the train and that Harry wants to talk to them about Sirius and Ron just goes, go away, Ginny. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, I mean, I feel like go away, Ginny is also like kind of how her character is forced to operate for a long time in the series. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but it, but it's that moment. It's those moments in, especially in order of the Phoenix where, she can, and, and the listeners were asking, like, what, what is it about, uh, you know, Ginny's experience with the diary that makes her the person she becomes? Well, it's because then when you, no, you the characters can no longer say, go away, Ginny. Yep. Essentially. Um, like, she, when she starts reflecting on that experience with her friends, she can't be brushed off anymore. Like, the reminder in order, like you said, Allison, that line of, like, Oh yeah, like remember who was also possessed by Voldemort? Um suddenly everybody's like, Oh my god. Like I don't I feel like it's not just Harry who realizes yeah. in that moment. Oh yeah. Like, oh yeah. None of us like talk to her that. about this. Yeah. <laughs> we just let her kind of like quietly deal with it on her own. Poor Jenny. And then everybody just <laughs> got over it. <laughs> we were all just so excited because Dumbledore cancelled exams that year. Seriously. <laughs> Great. <laughs> it was Ignore the traumatized 11-year-old. Yes. <laughs> yes, there <gasps> tends to be a running track of ignoring traumatized children in the <laughs> world. What? Just a little bit. <laughs> no. It's a, it's a theme. It might be a running theme or something. Hmm. It's funny because this conversation in some ways makes me come around to the thought that it's it's not necessarily rolling. It's almost what her what her story forced her to do with Ginny. It's the point of view, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a failing of the point of view that yeah. she wrote it in. Yeah. Yep. Of course, there are other opinions on this. Mr. Spencer Fannin once again had a strongly worded opinion, as he said on Twitter. How about the fact that she is essentially a female version of James Potter? <laughs> this is hilarious because then because Ginny kind of looks like Lily, but acts like James, mm -hmm. and Harry looks like James, but acts like Lily. <laughs> they basically huh. just switched. I feel like I saw that on, maybe it was Instagram. Somebody commented that recently. It might have been in the, um, I think it was after the fan fiction episode. Somebody commented something along the lines of that. Oh. That's fascinating because I ne I've never really heard the comparison to James. I've frequently heard the comparison to Ginny because as people, including myself, can't help but mention Harry married his mother. Yes. Um, <laughs> and if we go by the movie, so did Draco. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> That's um, that's that's a little that's weird, but I mean, that's weird. <laughs> but th but that's an interesting idea too. That because I feel like when when Spencer mentioned it, he was kind of since Spencer doesn't really have a we we know a positive out outlook on Ginny. Um, perhaps this was meant in a negative way, but I think this can be spun on a positive axis axis in some ways. Um, in that James Potter, while sometimes we have trouble remembering that, does have admirable qualities <laughs> that Harry would like in a person. Harry greatly admires his father and 
admire. Like I, I'm assuming that the this this is referring to how kind of take charge and gutsy James is. Yeah, I think so. I could see it because that's where the comparison lies. I would say, right? Maybe in some of the recklessness a little bit too. But then mm-hmm. on the opposite end of the spectrum, where James was a bully, Jenny yeah. is friends with everybody. She's friends with Hermione. She's friends with Neville. She is the only person who laughs at Luna's weird jokes. So she has some similar, some similarities, but then some like extreme differences. Yeah. It's funny you bring up Luna and Ginny because I think before they actually got to know each other in the DA, Ginny didn't like Luna and maybe made fun of her. Hmm. So that's interesting. then she got to know her, and then they became friends. But a few of our, our our listeners actually mentioned that on Facebook, and one of them, uh, one of them, uh, Karina Cotter Butler, said Ginny uh, gets a lot of heat by the fandom for being mean, i.e., when she calls Luna Looney Lovegood. But she's also the one who says she's all right and encourages the others to sit with her. And I personally never interpreted her laughing at the things Luna says as mocking Luna in a mean way, but just laughing at the reactions of everyone else because the stuff Luna says is legit funny. Hmm. And that's what I, because it is kind of shocking the first time you hear Ginny call her Looney Lovegood. Yeah. Um, Because I think a lot of people don't remember, especially thanks to the movie, that it's Ginny who introduces her that way. Um, and And tells them that that's what people call her. But... It is, uh, yeah, to her credit, Ginny is also the one who basically introduces Luna into their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and she does it by essentially being like, yeah, this chick's weird, but she's great. Like, <laughs> her, her weirdness is what makes her great. Um, and that's kind of how I, like, I, I kind of felt like Ginny and Luna seem to have something of a rapport with each other to the point that Luna knows that Ginny's not making fun of her. Mm-hmm. I would assume, since they seem to get along quite well. Um, they don't have the uh, the uh, headbutting that Luna and Hermione and <laughs> have. Um, which makes sense, because Ginny doesn't get hung up on practicality in quite the same way that Hermione would. Um, what do you think it is about, though, that, about Luna that Ginny would find attractive in a friendship. I think she admires Luna's honesty and Mm. that kind of sense of loyalty Luna develops. Those are probably the biggest things I think that she appreciates. I'm sure she appreciates how funny she is too. Mm -hmm. Jenny's always, Jenny's kind of a jokester and Jenny follows more Fred and George than I think Ron does actually. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, we get a lot of that. In Order of the Phoenix, when friend George become a little more absent from the family due to their business and getting ready to leave Hogwarts, um, and Ginny kind of not necessarily replaces them, but she takes up the mantle of friend George in a lot of ways. It's kind of implied that she was always this way and that we're just seeing it for the first time properly. But yeah, she definitely has friend George's sneaky jokester uh, personality. In, I think it's Chamber, right? They Fred and George sent her a toilet seat or something. 
<laughs> no, they said that they were going to send her a toilet seat or something from Hogwarts. Yeah, in Sorcerer's Stone. Stone yeah. As they're saying goodbye, they're like, we'll send you a Hogwarts toilet seat. Yeah, and I feel like that's the, that's only a joke that they would get. Like, yeah. that's the type of humor Well, they, they also have, have that... They have that mm. great moment at the beginning of Order of the Phoenix where everybody's celebrating the end of Harry's trial, and it's the three of them going around singing, "He got off, he got off." Oh yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, well, and then interestingly, that that uh, relationship actually does have a little bit of a turn on its head at the beginning of Half Blood um, when Fred and George kind of take up Ron's mantle, where they're basically like. Jenny, are you making out with everybody at Hogwarts? <laughs> She's like, whoa, no, but also none of your business. <laughs> like, <laughs> We're not selling you love potions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, she, and it, it, uh, in, in that way, she, she kind of, like, we see too that she can go toe to toe with Fred and George in a way that, so tragically, Ron cannot. Nope. Um, well, Ron's more like Percy, so. Oh yeah, definitely. That it's funny that it's funny that what what happens kind of with Ron and Percy's relationship because really, the, like you said, the two of them are kind of alike in a lot of ways. Um, Ginny definitely takes a lot from Fred and George, but makes it her own in a lot of ways. But I think that would also kind of wheel back to perhaps where that comparison to James Potter might come from in some ways. Um, but I do like the positive spin that, no, Ginny's not a bully. Um, she does say mean things to Ron, though. <laughs> but to be fair, Ron says mean things to everybody, so yeah. I guess it's just a taste of his own <laughs> What does she say to him in Half-Blood? And she's Harry's like, Ginny, I don't need you saying that. Oh. And she's like, well, you were too busy, so I figured I'd do it. What does she, she say? She tells Ron to stop being a prat. And Harry's like, don't call your brother a prat. And she's like, well, you were too busy and somebody needed to. Like that. Which he thinks is funny. I love that so much. Oh, she's great. Well, and she really flares up at Ron in the scene in the the staircase when he catches her making out with Dean. And to be fair, she has pretty much every right to. Um, it's framed in the narration that she's in the wrong, but that's because it's coming from Harry's perspective and Harry just wants to punch Dean in the face. Um, but Harry wants to make out with her. That's what's wrong. Yes, he does. The the wild animal in his chest. (laughs) (laughs) Still my least favorite metaphor in the entire. Hilarious. It's so funny. So friggin' weird. But that, but it, that like, again, Ginny holds her own in that moment. She, basically just like wow ron you're one to talk (laughs) like kind of get it shooting back at him about all of his stuff with lavender brown and basically also again just like with friend george being like stay out of my life (laughs) like i'm an independent person which is nice to hear it's nice to hear that from Ginny, especially when (laughs) when we when we have the moments where we forget she is when we when we forget that she is not defined by harry in the story she screams I'm me! And then we're like, oh, okay, that's the Ginny we like. And then I smash <laughs> yes. down my Thor cup and I scream, another! Smash. <laughs> and I don't get what I want. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of not getting what we want, then the movies happened. Oh, jeez. <sighs> okay, now, okay, because we did, we did get a lot of people who were just like, please talk about this. Dan, Danielle Eduk, or at Bookworm, 
62442, ha ha ha, magic, um, said, uh, tweeted us, talk about the differences between book Ginny and movie Ginny. Movies were such a letdown. Sue Ann on Facebook said, talk about her wasted potential in the movies and what you wished you could have seen on screen. And it's interesting, Allison, you said at the top of the episode, you feel that Bonnie Wright is not in the wrong on this. Yes. That it's the script. Yes. Um, and I have one particular reason for it. And this is recently, last time I watched Order of the Phoenix, Mm. um, you know that scene when they're walking on the bridge coming back from the hogshead? And Hermione has the line that she's like, well, Cho can keep your eyes off you to Harry. And they do an interesting thing with the camera. They put the cam, they pull the camera into Ginny and she just has this sad, like she hears Hermione say that. And before that, she's, like, all excited, like, with the gang, right? She's, like, excited about this new thing they're doing. But her face just, like, drops when she hears Hermione mention Cho to Harry. And all of a sudden, you just, like, see her, like, withdraw into herself. And I noticed it this time, and I was like, holy crap. Bonnie Wright could have done Book Ginny, I think, had they given her the chance. But instead, we got the crap we got in Half-Blood Prince. (laughs) And... Oh, man. I just, I think she had the potential, but the script let her down. They did weird now, things. Yeah. Now, it's, it's, it, interestingly, and Bonnie Wright, if you're listening, this is nothing against you personally. You're, I'm sure you're a lovely person. And I, <laughs> from what I've heard, you're also uh, really doing well as an up-and-coming director. So kudos, because that's not easy. Um, that said... I am not a fan of Bonnie Wright as Ginny, and I do blame her to some extent. I also blame the script. The script is awful. <laughs> but I do think that there, and it, and it's, and I'm not saying though that this was an easy thing because with an awful script, even with an awful script, you can, if you have somebody who can, if you have a really exceptional actor, they can rise above it. And yeah. what one of the problems I think is with Bonnie's portrayal is she has no chemistry with Daniel Radcliffe. Oh no! Yeah. And I think there's a piece of that where uh, Rupert Grint and, and Emma Watson talked a lot about that issue where, where with them because they knew more from the start what was going to happen with their characters because it was more obvious and they was built up earlier. And because of that, I think they anticipated what was coming. But that said, when it did come, they both still said that they felt weird because they felt like brother and sister. I think that there's even more of that shown in the, in the actual product of what happens with Bonnie and Dan, because I don't think they're comfortable with doing what they're being asked to do at all. Nope. (laughs) No. And I think Dan can get over it a little easier because he had to because he did it a lot in the movies. Bonnie, poor Bonnie, doesn't really have much to go off to, to begin with. and But from there, she doesn't manage to really elevate the material. And what's interesting is, in Half-Blood, her and Dan were given the opportunities to create their own ways to get around that. Her and Dan are to blame for the shoe tying scene because they came up with it. Oh, uh, did they? Because that's horrible. <laughs> that scene is horrible. Oh, it's bad. That whole that whole thing is bad. That whole 
well, I hate that whole sequence yeah. anyway, but that whole thing is bad. Like, uh, everything. Open from, up you. Uh, open up you. It's so creepy. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. Yeah, and I think, like, if done right, and again, it's a mix. To me, it is a mix. It's not all wholly on Bonnie, but it's not wholly on the script. I think there are... Okay, there, yeah. There's, there would have been an element to overcome that, because I think actually you could potentially do that in a way that is romantic. Yes. Um, I think, though, that it on the acting side, it definitely failed. And their kiss is also really weird and awkward, too. Oh, God, yeah, their kiss is a nightmare. <laughs> Yeah, it's so funny, too, because, like, both of their kisses were used in the trailers, and, like, the trailers are really good at making you think the kisses are going to be long kisses, but those kisses but they're are, like... Not. They're not. And they're, like, both, like, stiff as boards, and it's just, like... <laughs> well, and, and, um, the, 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 um... The kiss in Half-Blood, I think, is even more egregious because it is so built up to. yeah. And and I'm I'm kind of in the minority on this. I actually think, and it's it doesn't completely succeed. But the kiss in order with Cho is built up to in some in a similar way, and I think the kiss succeeds in that a little better. It's partially because it's all sprinkled with a lot of CGI around it, but also <laughs> because I think it's it's filmed better, and there does seem to just be a better chemistry cutting coming from Katie Leong and with towards Dan. I think they it's... actually know how to... Okay, never mind. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think you're I right. Say, no. I feel like they actually know how to kiss, not like... <laughs> no, it's a pretty I'm passionate like, kiss. I've yeah. never kissed anyone, and I could probably kiss someone better than that. <laughs> Jimmy and Harry. Like... <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. No, I think, I, think, I think that, to me, is kind of evidence of that. I, My roommate, Jara, says that, really, that they could have... And, Bonnie, I again. I'm sorry if you're listening, but they could have replaced her after the first movie, and nobody probably would have noticed. To be fair, because she unfortunately doesn't have that much to do for quite a while, um, and it is nice. I really like that they kept her on because the movies did go to such effort to keep on the same people from start to finish, um, which in a way is kind of a nice way, just the reflection of the books and how important the characters that are minor later become major. Um, but yeah, I still laugh sometimes when I'm watching Chamber of Secrets and she wakes up and her, her just reaction, Harry, it was me. (laughs) 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 Harry, you're hurt. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) It's just, it's pretty great. Again, it's some, it's somewhat unfair it simultaneously seems unfair to put that much pressure on a child actor, but at the same time, it doesn't when you know that there are exceptional child actors out there. Yes. Um, yeah. So I, I, unfortunately, I do think some of the blame comes down on Bonnie. But that said, when you reverse it, when we can reverse the conversation too back to the script, what is it about the script that fails, Jenny? They just don't give her any character, really. I mean, they give her those weird lines. Like, the one time in the movie I think movie Ginny is close to book Ginny is at Quidditch Trouts, when she tells everybody to shut up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ah, there she is. But otherwise, she just gets these kind of lame, shoehorned-in lines that 
don't build her to anything, you know? Like, all of her most important scenes that we see her progressing through got cut. And, I mean, we don't get the one in order. We don't Mm -hmm. get any of the good stuff in Half-Blood. Yeah, I think uh, order order is interesting because order tries to almost put in its own things, like you said, Alice, in the moment on the bridge. She also has that very obvious moment when they're leaving for Christmas right before the kiss with Cho. Um, The camera pans in on her as everybody's leaving the room and she turns and looks at Harry going the other way. Um, (gasps) She I have never noticed that. Yeah, that's that's one of the between the bridge and the and the DA scene. The DA scene is pretty stressed on. Actually, it's funny because yeah, these these hints about Ginny are dropped in in order, and they because of how order story plays out, they they don't go anywhere. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> so she, like you said, she's kind of wasted in that movie because her her true role in that plot doesn't get utilized. Um, with relating to Harry's experience. So, poor movie, Ginny. I know. She just can't, Mm -hmm. she can't win. And then by the end of it, you know, she, ugh, her stuff in the, uh, her her moments in the battle are not quite as... No. Hoorah-rah worthy. Um, No, though it is a funny line. I love when she comes back. I love that moment. It's only one Harry. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, that 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 is fun. It's fun. It's 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 weird though. It's still weird. Yeah, it's kind of weird, but it's funny. So I think the lack of chemistry makes that moment weird. Yeah, because they're just like staring at each other awkwardly, (laughs) like, and everybody else in the room is like. Um, what's <laughs> happening? <laughs> and that that staircase kiss, she just like is like smashing Dan's head in. She's also like two inches taller than him, and it looks awkward on those stairs. Yes, <laughs> like it just really does. Just the way they shot that, it just looks way too weird that she's and taller it, than him, and they just didn't deal with that well. Yeah, well, and it's not, you know, you can even get around that again if there's passion behind the kiss, and there is no passion yeah, in that kiss. Yeah, exactly, so it's weird looking. <laughs> and, we, and we have just, you know, also come off of Ron and Hermione's exceptional Chamber of yes. Secrets kiss. That's and true. So, and then we get that kiss. The and the peck. cute giggle and the... Yeah. Yeah. There's the yeah. There's a lot better romances going on around us, um, and Ginny is not in. It, it, sadly, is also in that in that way not integral to Harry's because he can't voice his thoughts. We don't know that Ginny is integral to Harry's kind of feelings and thought processes. He's leaving yeah. the school to go die. Um, they do change it where he encounters Ron and Hermione, but he doesn't encounter Ginny. Um, so there's nothing gained or lost. There and then it uh, again. Fast forward, and now she's a mom. She has larger hips, and she has nothing to say. <laughs> that's and that's her role in the epilogue. <laughs> and she has really weird looking makeup. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's she's what they did. Not to dressed how Jenny should be dressed. No. At all. <laughs> well, and since we fast forward, we end up at Jenny's last depiction. Cursed Child Ginny. Um, she is there. 
<laughs> oh, I the- have many things to say. <laughs> uh, all right, Allison, go. Now, read this tweet first, because a lot of them are in reaction to this tweet. So while you read the tweet, I will pull out my soapbox, and I will start standing <laughs> and on it. Okay, you're going to dust it off, too, and everything? Yes. Put a little, yes. put, put a sheet over it so it's really pretty? Yes. I don't bring out my soapbox often, but I'm about to. <laughs> <laughs> so, Hal the Mage, our friend Howell, um, who is, uh, who, uh, guessed it on a previous episode over on Facebook, asked, uh, the retcon in Cursed Child that turns Ginny into an ineffectual housewife instead of the firecracker badass Quidditch star. Hashtag justice for Ginny. Hi, Hal. You're lovely. I vehemently disagree. Um, (laughs) First of all, feminist rant. Here we go. There's no such thing as an ineffectual housewife. Housewives do just as much work as a woman who chooses to work outside of the home. And part of inclusive feminism should include housewives and mothers as important parts of that. Because if a woman makes that choice to stay home, that's fine. Lots of important things happen in the home. So... That's great. That's awesome. Molly Weasley is a housewife, and she is one of the most B.A. characters in these entire books. Um, second of all, being a housewife and a firecracker Quidditch star are not mutually exclusive. I think we forget that sometimes. Not mutually exclusive. Um, and I actually think Cursed Child does some great things for Ginny. Um, she actually, they tell us flat out in Cursed Child that Harry's the more domestic one. That he's the one who cooks more, you know? And I think we see that Ginny is still very much herself and in control of things. When Harry and Draco get in that fight, it's Ginny who comes to break them up and, like, goes after them. Especially Draco. She, like, yells at Draco, and it's a great moment. If you've seen it on stage, too, it's very, very clear that Ginny's very much about the relationships of her family. Um, One of my favorite moments is when they show up, when the adults show up in Godric's Hollow... Um, and find Albus and Scorpius, the first thing Albus does is he runs right to his mom and he just like, they just like hold on to each other and it is precious and beautiful and wonderful. Um, and she like stays close to him throughout the whole like rest of the thing. Um, there's a cute part too they did on stage where when they're in the church and he's asleep, she's just like, she's talking to somebody. But she's, like, playing with Albus's hair. She's, like, stroking his hair as he's sleeping. And it's like, you're such a good mom, Ginny. (laughs) It's so cute and it's so precious. Um, So I do not think Cursed Child ruined Ginny. If anything, I think Cursed Child helped Ginny and helped us remember how cool she is in the books instead of our other visual representation of her. (laughs) And I stepped down from the soapbox and I put it away. Okay. (laughs) Okay, you, you, <laughs> counterpoint, but not completely counterpoint, because I do agree with, I, I, the big thing I agree with is, yes, uh, the firecracker and the housewife are not mutually exclusive, and Ginny can be both. I think what I gather from Hal's post is uh, the big thing that I take away from that is the ineffectual, and not so much as a housewife, but almost... Hmm. I do think Ginny, out of almost all the characters, for me in Cursed Child, comes off the best because she comes off to me closest to her character. I think it's cuckoo loco crazy that she wants to take them off of sugar. That's I don't know. Yeah, that one was a weird line. And I, Claire and I talked about that when we 
Well, Claire especially talked about that when we had that bonus episode where she was like, that's a line that feels like it was aimed at just your normal average, like London theater goer crowd instead of your Harry Potter crowd. Yeah, Yeah. it's one of those, it's, it's, it's a line that seems to be put there for the sake of just being like, you guys know what it's like to be off sugar, right? (laughs) Diets, am I right? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, not... it's kind of funny, too, I think, because that's almost a kind of a mom thing of, like, don't eat too much sugar, like, we have to eat healthy, you know, like... I guess, to me, it's just, like, even though it's a minor stupid thing, I guess it's weird in that Ginny, like, Harry, we know that Harry's family life, and the, at least the way that Rowling left it before Cursed Child was the idea that Harry is essentially has a family unit that's not too dissimilar from the Weasleys because that's the kind of family unit he likes. And the Weasleys are v- very much in the practice of when they are able to spoiling their children. Um, if they, if they have the means to, they spoil them. Um, and I can't imagine Ginny taking away sugar just for the sake of taking away sugar. That's, that's a very bizarre thing. I think compounded by the fact that, if you take away sugar in the wizarding world, you can't eat anything. <laughs> um, like, <laughs> like that's it's funny because it's it's brought up in the scene where where uh, Albus meets Scorpius, and it really is just like if you can't eat sugar in the wizarding world, you literally can't make friends. Like, <laughs> what are you supposed to do on the Hogwarts Express? Like, what is Diagon Alley for you but a, just a depressing place to buy books and robes? Like, <laughs> books and robes are awesome, too! <laughs> uh, yeah, but not when you have exploding candy. That's if, true. Like, if, if I, should, I, should be, I should be honest, when I go to our versions of Diagon Alley and Hogsmeade, that's basically all I do is get sugar, so... Yeah. Do you know how yeah. sad I was that first time I went to the park? I literally went up to the cast register with a handful a giant handful of candy and the lady told me that my card was <gasps> in its credit limit. No! <laughs> and it was, this was before I had a smartphone so that I could just fix it. Oh, tragic. <laughs> yep, I couldn't. No. I, all I left with was a chocolate wand. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, no. Not being able to have candy in the wizarding world is one of the saddest things in the entire wizarding world. So that's crazy. Okay. I do not think that that fits with her character. That's maybe it was just a phase. I think it's just a phase. Maybe <laughs> it was a moment where maybe they were just eating too much sugar. And like I said, James is a handful. I bet Lily's a bit of a handful. Like, and Ginny was just like anything to calm it down. Yeah, <laughs> kids are a handful. When you add sugar into the mix, it is insane. Seriously though, <laughs> I I think the. The other thing with that, though, is that I take the the ineffectual from Hal's Post to also refer in my head, Ginny, and, you know, this is partially dependent, perhaps, on how you see this argument lay out and how this kind of whole story plays out in, in Cursed Child, and kind of, ironically, in these, again, in these moments, Ginny ends up being off the page in some of this, um... Ginny kind of watches the whole thing go down from the sidelines and she never necessarily steps in. She does give advice almost exclusively to Harry. We don't see really a moment where she gives advice to Albus other than kind of just chiding him every once in a while. But she doesn't 
quite directly step into this discussion between them. And Mm. I think that people find that frustrating because she is a part of the family unit and because that also is that I think that's compounded with the fact that they do have two more children who are basically also off screen. Um, And there are there's references to how the other children are raised as opposed to Albus. Um, I'll counter that one, too, when you're done. Oh, no, please go for it. Um, I think it's an it's a staging thing again. Um, she's kind of always there, but she's listening is the thing. And I think that's, we get that from Jenny in the books too, is that she listens and observes and then decides whether she should step in most of the time. Um, she should step in, (laughs) (laughs) but she, she kind of doesn't, she kind of, she talks to Harry about that. She, observes the situation, she says, dude, you've got to figure out your relationship with your kid because he's having this issue with you specifically and who you are. And I think she doesn't want to play middleman in that. She wants them to figure it out themselves. And so she's there a lot and she's listening a lot um, when you see it staged. And like, I mean, she... She has that whole scene where seriously, she's just like, Harry, you're an idiot. Your kid needs you. Like, um, I think it's one of those decisions where she was just like, and she may have almost learned that from Molly a little bit, where Molly kind of, when Molly got involved in her kid's issues, it became a little problematic. Um, Easter eggs, fourth year. Uh, that's all I'll leave that at. But... I think it's it's a purposeful decision that she doesn't step in at that point. Yeah, I think it's purposeful, too. I'm not really a fan of the decision because it doesn't really end up working because things get to well. such a disastrous <laughs> point that yes. it's kind of like, well, you tried that. That was really bad. Maybe you should have tried something else um, because it just gets to such a disastrous point um, because she kind of steps out of it and then by the end of it i feel like she is there kind of to could just be a, a comfort piece for albus and for harry not to not simultaneously she comforts them both in different ways essentially because uh she doesn't she's not the piece that ends up helping to bring them together either mm-hmm. um so she just kind of does it her way for each of them um which I guess it's just funny to see Ginny take that back seat in the situation when it is just getting to such astronomically ridiculously bad proportions. Like they are literally sitting in the past and she's just like, this is fine. It's fine. And it's like, no, it's not fine. Like she's still kind of just being like, Harry, you need to talk to your child. And I'm just like, we are stuck in the past. <laughs> Like, <laughs> well, because I think she's like, you gotta talk to him so we can solve this problem. Because right now, we're not gonna solve this problem if there's tension between the two of you. Yeah. Um, I guess the other thing that's perhaps like doesn't curry favor for Ginny. I actually like this moment, but I think it is soured by who it's kind of related to. Um, because I like in that they have that dinner conversation where she basically brings up over the table, just like, yeah. You sure left me out of a lot of stuff when we were kids. And she she basically references the go away Jenny <laughs> concept. 
Um, I think for some of the fans, it's soured by the fact that of all the people, Malfoy is the one who is just like, yeah, yeah, you left me out of stuff too. And it's like, yeah, that's because you're a dick. (laughs) 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 This does not equate. (laughs) Yes, like there's a reason, bro. Yeah. (laughs) There's a reason for you being left out. (laughs) Well, because it, it ends up being that Malfoy is the one that brings that up first, where he's just like, I envied you and your friends, Potter. And Ginny's just like, yeah, so did I. But it's just funny because it's like, the envy is very different. Yeah. Yes. On, yeah. That's kind of an unfair comparison to make, and it doesn't really come off well, I guess, for Ginny to pull that from Malfoy um, and kind of take his side on that. Um, because it's two different kinds of enviousness that we're talking about in that respect, I guess. Yeah, um, I'll take that. Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> I think that, like, a- a- essentially any attempt that this play made to make Malfoy relatable to any of the main characters was frustrating in general for people. Um, because Malfoy's a dick. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't, it doesn't play off very well on stage is the thing is they're all still kind of like, yeah, we still kind of hate you, even <laughs> though you're trying to do this. Well, I mean, we Renee, kind of hate you, Renee. What do you think about all this? How how do you generally feel about Cursed Child, and then how do you feel about Ginny within that? So, okay, I've only read Cursed Child once, and I've never seen it on stage, so I have a okay. very limited opinion on it. But um, as its own entity, I liked it. As canon, no. <laughs> uh, just just straight no but um i i actually liked what they did with Ginny. like you were saying allison she doesn't have to be this like super mom and she she can be the housewife and the quidditch star she can be whatever she wants to be and it doesn't matter like being a mother does not is not defined by one single set of things to do and um from a mom's perspective i think that she probably should have stepped in a little bit more Um, (laughs) (laughs) i i um have you ever been stuck in the past with your children renee is that (laughs) i i have i have not so i don't i don't have experience here but um co-parenting is hard and um (laughs) i think that it's very important to have common ground and um I think that there are some things where she probably should have stepped in, but at the same time, like Harry's Harry and Ginny Mm. knows that. So, (laughs) I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah. I I mean, I can totally see that having come from a very like loving, but tumultuous family kind of experience in my younger years. uh, I can totally see that where there, there are moments when one parent has to step back, especially when the parents, I think are not mutually on the same page and need to figure that out for themselves first, which is also something that I think this play has trouble with Harry and Ginny. Um, Ginny certainly enjoys bringing up the things that Harry fails on, um, in the play. She seems to do that a lot, actually. Um, but they, she doesn't always, she, usually what happens is when, what kind of I noticed in the dialogue is that Ginny kind of goes, Harry, you got to fix this. And Harry's like, I know it's bad. How do I fix it? I don't know, Harry, but you got to fix it. And that's <laughs> kind of how it goes. It's like, she never really straight up suggests what 
what he should do. She's basically just like, yeah, fix this, because this is bad. And without really giving input. And I think maybe that's where people kind of feel a loss, is that Ginny would give more input than that, probably. The Ginny we, I think, are accustomed to knowing from, from especially what we were talking about earlier, Order of the Phoenix. The Ginny who ja- kind of chimes in with, well, this is my personal experience that you probably don't know anything about, so I'm going to tell you about it. That might be. And she does, again, she does that in some moments, but it's the moments where it's not very helpful. Like the moments where she's just like, yeah, Harry, you left me out of your childhood. <laughs> it's just like, do we, do, we, do we want to talk about this now, Ginny? Yes, we do. <laughs> but Ginny, things are really bad right now. I know they are, and you got to fix them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she didn't exactly have the best timing. <laughs> <laughs> but I do simultaneously it's funny that I also do feel like out of all the character what I would feel are character assassinations in some ways in the book, Ginny for me suffers from that less than everybody else. And I don't know if that is because I do really like Allison like you said even though that is kind of how the dialogue goes down generally for me, I do feel like they're, the fact that they do have so many scenes where Harry leans on Ginny and she supports him as best as the script will allow her, that I do like the intimacy in those scenes. And those kind of make me feel like it's like, oh, there's the part we missed between Deathly Hallows, you know, final chapter and epilogue. There's that leaning on each other to help each other out a little bit. Um, that intimacy. That that intimacy that goes beyond just making out on the ground. <laughs> so. Yeah. That, that's kind of what I take away from Cursed Child, Jenny. She's, she's not the best thing about the play, but she's definitely not uh, the biggest failing. I think she, she still has that Ginny spark in her. Yeah. She's she's still Ginny. She's just sugar free Ginny. <laughs> <laughs> sugar free Ginny. That's another good title. <laughs> Sorry, we're adding that to the list. Yes, that is a good title. <laughs> yep, she's no longer cursed child Ginny. She is officially sugar free Ginny. <laughs> yes, I love it. <laughs> well, I think we've run out of all of the Thor cups that I had for this episode. Uh, we've, we've, we've Ginnied to the end of Ginny. Literally. There's, there, that's all we've got about her. It's okay. Which, Just like Thor, we are going to upgrade to the better, the walk down the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to fully get that soon. <gasps> it's <laughs> a great moment. You'll totally get what I'm saying. When I it can't, happens. Yeah. You'll be like, yes. I can't wait to see it. I will make sure and tweet my reactions to Thor Ragnarok after I see it. And I'm sure it will involve that, my favorite gif. Another! (laughs) (laughs) Any last thoughts on Ginny ladies before we wrap up on her episode? She's my favorite female character. Like, hands down. She... Why is she she your favorite over Hermione? Um, I never... I don't know. I think it's because I was the bookish nerd in, well, am 
the bookish nerd. And, um, <laughs> let's not get ahead of ourselves here. And uh, <laughs> I, I admired Jenny for not being the stere- stereotypical nerdy character, I guess. Um, and that just kind of always stuck with me. Because um, I, I started reading the books kind of a little late. Um, so I think that I got less of the having to wait to see how she turned out than maybe the rest mm-hmm. of the fandom did. I'm not sure. But she just, mm-hmm. something about her just stuck with me, how honest and how fearless she was. Um, I think she has some really great qualities, and she, I think she's a pretty good feminist role model, too. That's a great way to put Jenny. That's, a, I mean, that's interesting, the, the effect she had on you, because perhaps, because you got to get into the fandom a little later. That's interesting how that affected that perception. That makes sense, considering how much more she's developed farther down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you knew her just from the beginning as <laughs> good luck, Jenny from Sorcerer's Stone, yeah. that's, <laughs> there's, there's, there's not much there to work with. And there's not, there's the, the, her, her moments, despite being a major plot point in, in Chamber of Secrets, that doesn't really help to increase her character by much. Mm-hmm. Um, in the immediate moment, she, she kind of, we, we end the book with her, like she does, I think she is seen at the end of the year feast happy, but like her less substantial scene is she's like crying her eyes out with her, will her parents berate her? So, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, to have, to have Ginny's kind of a, a clearer arc of Ginny from the start of experiencing Harry Potter, I could definitely see the reward of that mm. in her character. How about you, Allison? Yeah. I mean, I like Ginny. I, obviously she's never at the level Hermione is for me because Hermione is the one I connected to the most, but I, especially as I've gotten older, I think I've really come to appreciate her and how she's so authentic. I feel like, I feel like she's a very authentic character and it's, it doesn't feel like she's trying to fit any of the typical, like female stereotypes. It's not like she's trying to be a feminist stereotype or a girly girl stereotype or any, you know, like she's just Ginny and I think she's awesome. And it always just makes me happy that she and Harry get together um, because then they have their cute little family and they're happy. And that makes me happy. (laughs) (laughs) Until Cursed Child when they're not very happy. No, they they get happy. It's fine. (laughs) It's normal to have arguments and have to sort things out. (laughs) It's even by Wizarding World standards, it is not normal to lose your child in the past. Well, no. (laughs) But this is something connected to Harry Potter. Has his life ever been normal? No. No, normal's boring. That's true. (laughs) Yeah, I think this episode has definitely been beneficial for me to really break down like, especially just kind of looking at your comments, listeners, as for the prep for this discussion and and reading through kind of some of the facts about Jenny really helped to make me realize that I do think it is in some ways problematic that she, in so many ways, is defined by Harry. In the and maybe that's uh, through this episode I've seen that maybe that is a problem that we in the fandom have had with Ginny and how we take her apart and analyze her. And that, uh, there's definitely a benefit to 
putting Harry to the side for a minute so we can, and, and realizing that there is enough to Ginny that we can work with or extrapolate from, but also justifies why we're frustrated with how she's written because we want more of just Ginny. And how, you know, we, uh, I think, I think that was perhaps why people, I think, were really into the Quidditch World Cup writings, not just because it was like, oh my God, Harry Potter, this is like happening right <laughs> now and it's so exciting, but also because this is all from the perspective of Ginny. Like, this is Ginny's yeah. perspective. And she's not dwelling on Harry. She's not making one mention of Harry in her writing. Um, that falls on Rita Skeeter. <laughs> yes. Um, and what does Rita Skeeter get for that but a jinx to the solar plexus? Um, uh-huh. so, <laughs> Sorry. And it's I gotta in that, go read that again. Yeah, yeah no, it's great. It, I, and I definitely recommend listeners, you, if you haven't read her writings for, from, from the Quidditch World Cup in a while, go read them because it's, it's fun to kind of just see not only how, uh, how, how fun it is to get back into that world through Ginny, but also to see that Ginny is a, is the way that Rowling chooses to portray her. Ginny is very focused on her career and her job and does not let Harry define her in that moment at all. And I think that is actually what makes that piece so strong. So yeah, quit defining Ginny by Harry. (laughs) (laughs) As, as Allison said, she's just Ginny. I like that. That could be the title of her series. Just Ginny. Yep. Just Ginny. <laughs> that sounds like it's a... Never mind. What were you going to say? I was going to say, say it, it sounds like one of those like cheesy 90 movies. Of, like, I know. I felt working like a class woman. <laughs> <laughs> it felt like the title of a potential John Green book to me. Just Ginny. <laughs> <laughs> but we want to also... Just thank Just Renee, who <laughs> is not just our guest, but such a great help on our social media team. We really can't do what we do without the amazing work that our social media team uh, does, and Renee is a big part of that. So thank you not only for joining us, Renee, for this discussion, but for all the work you do for a little Thank more. you for having me. Yeah. This was a lot of fun. Um, I was kind of nervous but um, I, this this oh. was a lot of fun um well it didn't show oh. you were a natural yes awesome no. yeah no it's it's been great um listening or i guess reading all of the feedback from everybody after each episode um we go through we look at all the comments we try to i try at least to like all of the comments um but i think we're gonna start working on responding to all of them um so definitely if you want your opinion heard on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we're there, we're listening and we're waiting. So just, um, let us know how, how you like what we're doing, what we need to do. Um, our feedback for you is very like, we, we need your feedback. So definitely let us know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, As you saw, uh, as I hope you realized listeners from this episode, the work that uh, the social media team did to get the word out about the Jenny episode. Uh, this A lot of this episode was built on your comments mm-hmm. and your feedback. And it's because the social media team put that call out there. Um, so thank you again, Renee. We appreciate uh, all you do. And uh, thank you again for being on the episode. You're welcome. Our next episode will be a chapter episode. And we're going to go back and explore one that is 
very lovely for the month we're in. We're going to go back to Philosopher's Sorcerer's Stone, chapter 12, The Mirror of Air said. How perfectly seasonal and fitting. Oh, yeah. Christmas. It's going to be great. That is going to be good. That is such a great chapter. It First is. Christmas at Hogwarts, y'all. We're totally, Honestly, we're signing up on the list. We're staying behind this seriously. year. <laughs> Every and year. let's be honest. Well, two thoughts about that. Number one, one of my on any Christmas playlist is John Williams' Christmas at Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. Which brings me to number two. If you can go to one of the parks where they're doing their Christmas celebration, do it. It's so oh, that's pretty. right. You went, you got to see it. <sighs> I want to. It's so pretty. You're gonna. You're definitely gonna have to gush about that if you're on the next episode. Yes, because <laughs> it is amazing. I definitely was like crying at one point. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and listeners, if you want to be on the next episode or any of our future episodes. Uh, and if you want to contribute to the show, there are ways to do that. Uh, first of all, on our main site, which, by the way, listeners, we hope is back up by the time you are listening to this episode. We had to uh, uh, port our server over uh, to get it back up and running. So hopefully by the time you're hearing this, it is up and running. And you're commenting lots on the episode. Yay! <laughs> um, but once, that site, once the site is back, you can go to the topic submit page on the main site that's where you can suggest topics uh, for the show, just like some of our listeners recommended Ginny to be a topic. Because um, we do tally um, how many times we get a suggestion. I, we have categorized all of the topics you've got. We have so many to go through, you guys. We have plenty to keep us going for quite a while. Um, but we want more, and we want to know uh, if you guys want the same things. Um, so that helps us out a lot. Uh, if you want to be on the show, there's a page for that as well on the main site. Uh, we have all the instructions, read them carefully before, uh, submitting, uh, to be on the show, because not only do we want you to submit uh, a written audition, but also an audio audition, because we need to hear what you're going to sound like. If you have a set of Apple headphones, we say that because that has pretty much everything you need in it, including the microphone, you're all set. Uh, but if you have a mic, uh, a pair of headphones, and we can get you set up with all the recording equipment, that's free. Uh, as far as the, uh, we use Audacity for that. Uh, you're all set. It's super easy. No fancy equipment needed. Well, if you just want to tell us what you think, though, just get in contact with us, and you'll probably get in contact with Renee. Yep. <laughs> contact <laughs> us on our Twitter at AlohomoraMN. On Facebook at facebook.com slash open the Dumbledore. On our website that will hopefully be fixed soon, alohomora.mugglenet.com. Thank you for your patience with that, by the way, listeners. We, appreciate we it, listeners. are trying to figure it out. Um, and it will be up and running as soon as we can get it up. We have a YouTube page. We do. <laughs> we have a YouTube channel. That's, yeah, that's where, this. that's where some of our like previous discussions have gone. Uh, oh. like our, our, uh, <laughs> Allison's discovering this just like the listeners. I didn't realize that. Boom. Awesome. <laughs> we have a YouTube channel, <laughs> youtube.com slash alohomoramn, or you can email us at alohomorapodcast at gmail.com. I have to take this moment to say, too, shout out to a few uh, of you fans. Uh, some of you went beyond this contact, and you found me at the library. I... <laughs> Just recently met uh, Jay Dozier in person. 
um, because she lives here in Austin. She came to the library while I was working on the children's desk. And I also met a young man, I believe his name is Elliot. He actually attended our teen program showing A Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. And as I walked by a computer he was sitting at, he was on the Speak Beastie website. And I was like, do you listen to Speak Beastie? And he looked at me, he pointed at me and he went, you're Michael, aren't you? <laughs> I met I met you last week, and I didn't realize until I got into the car who you were. I I listened to uh, Speak BC, I listened to Aloha More, and I love them. And I oh my god, and I was just like, oh, that is amazing. That literally one of my one of our listeners actually like attends my teen programming at the library. That's awesome. Um, so hi Jay, hi Elliot. It was wonderful to meet you. Come by the library anytime. Uh, it was wonderful to see you there and hopefully we can get more chances in future to talk potter listeners there are other way there's another great way to get involved with us with talking potter on our patreon page uh once again we want to remind you to check that out patreon.com slash alohomora you can sponsor us for as little as one dollar a month uh again as we mentioned at the top of the show dumbledore's office is open on facebook for all of our patreon sponsors to join us to hang out and chat about alohomora harry potter stuff that's on your mind uh, outside of the show in a special space for our Patreon sponsors. Uh, and yes, I have not forgotten the video gaming listeners. <laughs> I am in the process of, at, th- at this point, a lot of it's been f- uh, actually been captured and filmed. But at this point, I need a new computer because I cannot edit this amount of footage properly for you guys with my current computer. And don't worry, your money is not paying for it. My parents are going to help me with this Christmas gift of a new computer. (laughs) (laughs) So I will have a new computer for editing soon. And those episodes hopefully will be out to you soon enough. Um, It's in the can. Uh, We'll get there soon. So again, patreon.com slash Lohomora for all kinds of neat perks. And that's it for us, I guess. We're going to go jump on a broomstick and learn how to fly from Ginny or something. That sounds pretty cool she'll take our sugar away (laughs) (laughs) that's what she we have to we if we if we catch up to her she'll give us back the sugar good all right let's do it i'm allison sigurd and i'm michael harley thank you for listening to episode 234 of alohomora open the dumbledore another set it's super easy no fancy equipment needed renee can attest to this attest renee oh, I <laughs> <myself>. sorry no, <laughs> no no it's fine sorry <laughs> she's like mm. she's like no i can't it was really difficult mm. don't be please don't it be was on the, the hardest show. thing it's i've horrible. ever done in my life <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. 